Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast, the special rookie snapshot edition. This is week two, episode two. Last week, Eric Edholm, the Yahoo Sports draft analyst and specialist, joined me to talk about wide receivers. This week, we're going to talk about running backs. Eric, before we get started, name one crazy thing you unexpectedly did during whatever day this is of quarantine. Oh, during this day, huh? Anything, yeah, I, between now and last week. They're all the same days. Gosh, I, I've really been extremely boring. Like, I've just had my head down, tunnel vision, draft mode. People are talking about this whole quarantine thing being bad. I'm like, wait a minute. I quarantine every single year around draft time. This is not new for me. So, I don't know. I haven't done anything crazy. I did make some baked beans the other day. That's about as wild as I get. Is that um, the answer that you're giving because you think our bosses are listening? No, like for real. I, I I would give you some sorted, you know, sort of, you know, I wish I had something exciting. I really don't. You put me on the spot and made me look like the I'm boring so- guy that I am. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. No, you're not a boring guy. You are a company <laughs> man who takes his work seriously. And that is very yes. important, especially these times. Um, I haven't done anything crazy either. I mean, we both have little kids and we both have yes. partners who are also at home working. I have not gotten into any fights with my husband. I think week. That's really good. Yeah. I was going to say, I think the social distancing thing is actually working to help my relationship in a good way. My wife sees less of me. That's great for her. So. <laughs> But you are in the same house, so there's that. Yes, yes. As you know, she's in the medical field, too. So we've, like, you know, we're we're being extra cautious here because she's, you know, there's a concern about coronavirus and everything everywhere, but certainly with her working in a doctor's office. So Absolutely. Well, I was going to make a joke about a dwindling Girl Scout cookie supply, but now that I remembered (laughs) your wife works in the medical field. Oh, no. Yeah, you can make all the jokes. (laughs) Are different for us. Um, All right. Uh, So let's talk about these running backs. We're going to start with Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. Fun fact, my mom went to Madison and she stayed at Liz Waters dorm and was also a cheerleader. Um, She's the one who lives in Chicago for uh, the Badgers. So I do love Jonathan Taylor for a lot of reasons. But while you were watching his tape, well, actually, before we begin, about, you know, the word that we like thought of while we were watching him or some of his impressive stats. 
what to you, like, give us a quick bio about Jonathan Taylor. I can do the next guy, but I'm going to hand this one off to you since I've already talked about my personal affection for him due to his alma mater. Yeah, I mean, I think there was this sense that he was just sort of this blue collar runner, you know, his first couple of years. And I don't think people realized how big he was, how fast he was, his track background, uh, also exceptional character too. I mean, he's just, he's just got a really high floor from a reliability standpoint and I mean, I don't know. I think people really underestimate when he went to the combine and ran. I mean, you know, those of us who really followed his career said, oh, yeah, this dude can can turn it on. But I think people sort of saw him as a plotter, as a, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a bigger back who can't really move. No, he can scoot. He's got wheels. So uh, that's one of those things that I think people are just now kind of realizing as they get caught up on the draft here. Yeah, I think that's a good point. We'll talk about that. Also, another fun fact, he almost went to Harvard, you know, so he's a very intelligent guy. He wanted to go to Harvard to study astrophysics. He's from Camden, New Jersey, originally visited Harvard three times before he finally decided to go to uh, Wisconsin because his father sat him down and said, listen, if you want to play in the NFL, look at this list of NFL running backs that have come out of Wisconsin and this list that have come out of Harvard. And so Taylor enlisted in Wisconsin, which has got to take an, it's like, I mean, if Harvard says, come be here, it takes a lot of gumption and dedication to your craft to say, no, I'm going to pick this other school. And again, I'm not, I'm not dogging Wisconsin. I know y'all think you're the Harvard of the Midwest, but, um, but that, that takes a lot of gumption to say no to Harvard. Yeah, it's something I can relate to. Look, when the Ivy schools came calling on me, I just said, look, thank you, but no thank you. I'm going to Mizzou and I'm going to like it very much. So again, another way that I can kind of bond with Jonathan Taylor. I I get his his struggle. It's great. It's great. You have such empathy for his decision. Um, Well, while you're having empathy for him as a player, what is something that his skill set showed and illustrated to you in particular? Yeah, the the workhorse capability. I mean, you know, when Wisconsin lines up with two tight ends and a fullback and, and you, you know, the blocking wide receivers and a, and a quarterback who's maybe limited, you know where the ball's go. You know it's going to be handed to 23. And he would still churn out yards consistently game after game. You know, I mean, I think Ohio State held him to his lowest rushing total. What was it, like 41 yards or something like that? I, mm-hmm. It's just incredible for an opponent to know that he's going to get the ball and for them to really not be able to do anything about it in a time and time again, first quarter to fourth quarter, overtime, doesn't matter. He was getting the ball and you weren't going to like it. So I love that about him. That's a mental and physical toughness that you have to see on some level in a running back. Well, and we've seen that in his decision making off the field, right? We just talked about that. For me, I wrote down churn and burn because you're right. He was an absolute workhorse, but the power with which he moved his legs and the aforementioned yeah. speed that he has are constant. Um, it, it's just a constant moving forward with power, his tackle breaking ability. He's got a crazy stutter step. It's almost to me like his mind is moving just a hair faster than his legs, but in a good way because he's anticipating what's going to come next. And we should talk about his speed. I think that pulls us up to the stat that I at least want to talk about. He was the second player in FBS history to rush for over 2000 yards and back-to-back seasons to that. So that's to your workhorse point of view, but he was also the faster, the fastest player at his position um, with a 40 time of 4.39 seconds. So sub four, (laughs) four speed, which is super impressive when you mentioned the fact that he weighs 226 damn pounds. Yeah. I mean, right. That height, weight, speed thing is he's got it. I mean, it's absolutely impressive to see him. He's a train. I mean, that's really what he is, is when he moves, he's a train. 
those those measurables put him when you look at his adjusted weight speed score into the 98th percentile among rookie running backs. So, yeah, my goodness. Um, but there, his game is not flawless. His game is not yep. perfect. You have a stat that highlights perhaps one of the more troublesome parts of his game. Yeah, and really even the workhorse part too, I could mention. The, the, the most troublesome part is the fumbling issue. Now, can that be corrected? Yes, but here's a player with, I believe, 18 total fumbles, 17 as a runner, one as a receiver, once every 53 and a half offensive touches. Now, I had a team that I've that I've talked to for years who has a metric. They want to see that number about one in every 150 touches for, you know, for an acceptable ratio. Um, had there been backs like Tiki Barber and Sony Michelle and others, you know, and, uh, you know, Stephen Ridley, I'm trying to think of a couple other guys who had issues in college and fixed them in the pros. Yeah, there are. But that's something that has to be addressed. But there's also the backside of the, the workhorse factor, which is he comes into the NFL with almost a thousand touches. So not as much tread on his tires as some of the other backs in this class. And that's that's a big concern. Yeah, I, I like that you brought that up. Also, you're right, 18 fumbles over his career, 15 of those lost, and that's over 41 yeah. games played. So something to be wary of. Um, I love that you mentioned, it's so fascinating talking to you, Eric, because I think a lot of us, you know, are stuck with our um, our highlight reels and particular games, some games that show a, a player's potential ceiling, some that show their floor. But you have um, like insider knowledge to scouts and team executives and personnel. Can you just dip in for a second and talk about I don't know how you've cultivated those or how you can tell maybe when um, someone's like not being 100 with you or trying to blow smoke. <laughs> it's not easy. I'll tell you what. I mean, it's still something I'm learning how to do. And, and you know, I've had relationships that have dissolved after, you know, eight or 10 years where I was close with somebody and either I wrote something that was a little too honest, uh, hit a little too close to the mark. You know, some teams may not love that. And that's part of the business. I, I think having two parents who were in sales, it sort of reinforced the idea to me, like, look, you're going to have to cold call people and you're going to hear a lot of no's. And that's just part of the job. And, you know, it's sort of served me pretty well, I would say, in that, you know, you, you may place 100 calls to coaches, scouts, you know, evaluators, whoever, maybe 10 of them call you back. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not saying I call 100 people in a, in a week, but I mean, you, you have to put those calls out and you have to be willing to hear no and just move on. So, yeah, as far as, you know, building up trust, I try to remember when people burn me <laughs> or tell me stuff that isn't uh, on the level and I make a little note of it. Okay, that wasn't right. Okay, that wasn't right. And if they're compromised as a source, they're only for background. You know, I won't use them anymore as any kind of, you know, insider source. But you do try to learn about how these these evaluators think and how they evaluate prospects. Have any of them ever said this guy is the next when referring to comps? Because comps, which we're going to talk about now in relation to Taylor, um, yeah. some people love them. Some people hate them. I find them useful just because in a situation like this, when we're maybe introducing people who are newer to these players, it just gives you a frame of reference. That's all it's supposed to be. No one's saying that yeah. you can copy and paste X player stats with this new player's stats. But does anyone ever use an act an actual comp like any personnel players when they are referencing yeah, like, for instance, I'll get somebody on the phone and we'll roll through, you know, eight or 10 prospects, however long they can stand to listen to me talk or, or how long they can talk for or whatever it may be. And, you know, oh, he reminds me of this guy or, you know, I scouted, I was at this kid's pro day or I saw this guy. You know, sometimes it comes up more more naturally. 
I think scouts definitely do the comp game because, you know, if you read any like old scouting manuals, they say something to the effect of, you know, if you can't compare them to somebody, you know, there's a problem here. But there are also guys who I sit there and rack my brain and say, yeah. who am I going to compare this dude to? So I'm sure you have that same issue, too, where you say, OK, the, the style is similar, but the size is way different. Yes. Or, you know, the production's there, but, you know, the, the the 40 time is completely different or whatever it may be. It's not a it's not a perfect fit every time. Well, do you think that um, let's move on to Taylor's comp? You have James Connors as comp. Do you feel yeah. like that's a pretty accurate comp for him? Yeah, I mean, the only difference was Connor had major injury questions. Of course, he had the, you know, the lymphoma and also the ACL coming out of pit. Whereas Jonathan Taylor, other than the heavy workload, that's really the difference. I would also argue that Connor is a little bit more of a natural receiver. Taylor, you know, let's face it, ran screens and and little, you know, short stuff, dump offs. Wasn't an advanced receiver, got a little bit more play in that regard. So it's not perfect. But the other guy that I came up with, I kind of went back in my head. Maybe it was uh, watching the other day the the Nebraska-Missouri heartbreak from 1997. Amon Green, a guy who was a third-round pick, but he was a speed back with some thickness to him who Mm -hmm. also had a fumbling issue. So that's the other one that I came up with that, you know, maybe the younger generation won't quite remember as well, but – Folks uh, in our range, they will, right? I mean, well, that's a name we're we know. covering. We're covering all of the <laughs> all, all of the generations. Um, we do not discriminate by any means. Um, so I like that you brought up the receiving part yeah. of Taylor's game because he wasn't really used as a receiver until his final year at Wisconsin. He had yep. eight catches uh, his freshman and sophomore years, and then twenty six in twenty nineteen. So you're right. He is. Um, he needs more reps as a receiver. We're not quite sure. When I was watching his tape, I immediately thought of Nick Chubb. That just like yeah. his power, his speed. Nick Chubb was the first name I wrote down. But I do worry because of his lack of reps from a fantasy perspective, at least in the receiving game, his landing spot is going to be essential because he could fall into, let's take away the issue, the injury issue, but a Darius Geist situation, right? Where he's not mm-hmm. used on passing downs or he's taken off the field on third downs. And so then if he isn't given the opportunity to develop in the way that Nick Chubb has been allowed to develop that piece of his game, um, then I worry that his development as a player and as a fantasy producer is going to be stunted. And and, and Geis was the first, you know, you think about like that angry running style that Geis yes. has. It's similar in some ways to, to Chubb, but that was one of the knocks against Geis coming out of LSU. And so I'd like to see him land someplace that needs a receiver. I, we both have him going to the same place, and I think he'd be able to get that also, I, I think it's worth mentioning that another great thing about Taylor is that regardless of where he lands in terms of scheme, because he worked in such a run first offense in Wisconsin, he will fit into a zone scheme or a man gap scheme, right? Like he he yep. is essentially scheme proof as a running back, save the receiving issues a little bit. Yeah, I think I think he can develop in that area. I don't think he'll ever be supernatural, you know, I mean, in mm. terms of like it's still never going to be the most comfortable thing he can do, but he can still generate yards as a receiver because he moves pretty well. And I think, you know, his hands seem to get a little better as he went along, but yeah, I like our landing spot, Pittsburgh, right? I mean, that, 
that's a team that could use a back. And I mentioned he was similar to Connor. So, I mean, obviously, I'm sure they would see some of the similar traits that that would make him uh, pretty attractive. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we have seen... James Conner struggle with durability issues. Yeah. I, you know, Jalen Samuels is a, a tight end. Right, he's not a running he's a guy. guy. He's not a pure running yeah. guy. Right, he's a guy. He's a tool. Um, Benny Snell, as much as I liked him, and as much frankly as the team seemed to like him, he definitely doesn't have the speed that Taylor has. So I, I think that this is a great opportunity. And also, you know, Taylor is no stranger to climbing his way up the depth chart. This is a guy who may who was buried his freshman year as what like the RB five on the Badgers mm-hmm. depth chart. I think he could absolutely begin to ascend, especially considering the lack of I don't know full complete skill sets of the running backs ahead of him in theoretically ahead of him in Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, again, Benny Snell too. It was fun to watch in college. James Conner, outstanding story. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a little repetition, but as you pointed out, just sort of the lack of, you know, clarity about whether either one of those guys is going to be equipped to handle the load. Pittsburgh doesn't have a first rounder. Who knows? That may make some other needs a little more pressing. But in the second round, if Taylor's there at 49, I think it's an outstanding fit. I mean, and if you've seen Ben Roethlisberger in quarantine mode, I don't expect that the Steelers going to want to have him slinging the ball all over the yard. There's going to be a run first operation more than ever in 2020. The only guy who could maybe burn through that thing is is Jonathan Taylor, right? I mean, he could maybe find his (laughs) way through the tiny cracks of his gray hair. I don't know, but I think it's, it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to the second running back. This is actually my favorite of the bunch. It's J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. You talked about struggling to comp somebody, and this is the player that I've had the most trouble finding um, a complete comparison for. But let's talk about him as a prospect a little bit. I, you know, one of the things that I really, really liked about him, I like getting into players' background stories and mm-hmm. He announced his presence with authority when he arrived in Ohio, right? Like, he was not supposed to be the starter, but the starter got hurt, and he was like, forget that. You know, I I believe he went – his first game as a Buckeye, he went for 181 yards on 29 carries versus Indiana – there was no question now like he was definitely going to be a spar a starter or co-starter and from that point on I mean he's been ultra durable I believe he you know has he's never missed a game he did get a little bit banged up which caused him to not run the 40 or do the three cone drill at the combine in the in the playoffs but um, we'll talk about that a little bit later but this is a player that I think has a very complete do-it-all skill set, not without its flaws, but he absolutely has um, the record-breaking ability, the production. He comes from an excellent, uh, you know, university that produces quality backs. What was yep. the number one word that's or adjective that stood out to you when you were watching him initially? Yeah, I thought prime time, just in the sense that I kept watching him perform in big games, big game settings. Mm-hmm. Back to that freshman year you mentioned, he was the, uh, in fact, against uh, against Taylor and the Badgers, uh, Big Ten uh, Conference uh, Championship uh, MVP of that game. He always seemed to raise his game in the biggest stakes, and I love that in the back. And even against Clemson, I know they lost the game, and I know he dropped a pass that you and I could probably haul in pretty easily, but... For him to leave the game and come back and play on that injured angle, the one ankle, excuse me, the one that, that caused them to, you know, to to kind of hold out at the combine and not work out. 
I mean, he was an absolute workhorse. Travis Etienne, who was in next year's class, Dobbins on one side, they were going head-to-head. It was an incredible battle back and forth. We heard so much about the quarterbacks, but those two guys stole Mm -hmm. the spotlight. So primetime. I mean, he just, look, you can talk about his style, his production, all that stuff, and I think it's absolutely worth pointing out. But I love the fact that when when the game mattered the most, Dobbins usually was the one who was thriving. When the lights were the brightest, he definitely yeah. showed up. And I, I, I love that. The word that I wrote down was authority, which piggybacks onto that. Like this man runs with authority. He is impossible to take down. You know, there's a lot of down here, downhill runners with like plus power, but his fearless determination is what I love. He is excellent. I'm going to say the best back in this class in short yardage situations. His ability at the goal line is absolutely stunning. I mean, he rushed for 21 touchdowns in 2019, which was the most in the Big Ten. Yep. He beat out Jonathan Taylor for Big Ten back of the year. I mean, you know, yes. he didn't get the Heisman invite, but did get that award. I mean, so the respect from his own, you know, peers and his own uh, opponents and things like that was extremely high. And, you know, he didn't have a great 2018 season, and he appeared to take that very personally. Like he, when he went out there in 2019, the, the play speed, the determination, all those things just seemed cranked up a notch. And so, yeah, he's been through a lot in his life. He's, he's faced adversity. And I love the way he plays. It really shows in his style. Yeah, I think you're referencing the fact that he lost his dad who passed of a stroke. Uh, His dad was only 33 years old when he passed. um, And I believe Dobbins was 15 years old and he has continued. He credits his dad with his love of football and has used that um, adversity in his life to continue, as you said, even in his college career to come back and and never quit. So I appreciate that about him as well. Let's talk about key stats. There are a bunch. It was hard for me to, you know, just find one. But what is one that, or a few if you want, that stood out the most? Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that he, I don't think he'll be a home run hitter in the NFL. You know, he had some where, you know, some cleanly blocked plays in college, you know, against, you know, Miami, part of Ohio. That O-line, and, but that's part of yeah, that O-line. I mean, great yeah. O-line. Look, he's he's not going to get quite those same running lanes in the NFL, but I think he's going to be a great singles and doubles hitter. That's what I wrote in my in my profile. The fact that he had 22 gains, including receiving and rushing, of 20-plus 20, 20 yards last year, that was tied for fifth most in the country. You know, mm-hmm. there were only a handful of guys ahead of him. Some of them were wide receivers who are obviously going to catch in, you know, some, some longer passes and stuff. But, you know, breaking off those intermediate runs and doing so with great power, quickness, vision, you know, he's he's a pretty complete back in a lot of ways. And I love the fact that, you know, even if he he's still going to have a pretty good slugging percentage, even if, uh, you know, even if he's not cranking him out of the, you know, the 75 yard runs and stuff, those don't really happen in the NFL. So I love guys who can rip off a lot of uh, quality intermediate runs as well. Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned that. I, I When we're talking about touch totals, Taylor having a high one, Dobbins having a high one, and, uh, you know, perhaps franchises becoming a bit skittish about, their touch total, the wear and tear on the tires, um, you know, this this whole RB doesn't matter theory. When I look at, and it's a, it is a disappointment for Dobbins, I think, because he's been so durable and ends his college career on this literal tweak, right, on this injury. Yeah. And yet, for me, the stat that stands out is that he started 40 of 42 games in which he played. And he also rushed for 100 or more yards 19 times. Like, he has mm. never not done the work. 
And I feel like when I want a running back, I want someone who's reliable. No, he doesn't have the home run hitting ability, like you said. But I also love the point that 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 doesn't often happen, at least not for a back who's asked to excel in short yarded situations, which is what Dobbins can and will do. And so the reliability that he provides and the strength and determination are the things that I like the most and think that other teams, uh, particularly the Chargers, now that they are without Melvin Gordon, will appreciate the most. I love him as a compliment to Austin Eckler here. Yeah, no, I could absolutely see it. I mean, they're one of those teams that I think already has a quality, you know, complimentary back. And that's kind of the guy I think you want to pair it with. The beautiful thing is that both Eckler um, and Dobbins could could kind of interchange. They If they want to mm-hmm. go up tempo, one of them gets a series. They could play on third down, first down, short yardage, whatever. And you rotate the other guy off. You could also put both in the field together. The team I came up with with the Miami Dolphins, and they were able to sneak him in for a late visit before all the the – you know, the pre-draft visits were canceled uh, for the coronavirus stuff. I think they, they're going to appreciate all that toughness that you're talking about. And Brian Flores, he wants a Jonathan Taylor or a J.K. Dobbins type of back, I think. Somebody who can, you know, in these games that may be a little more low scoring, I don't think we're going to be seeing them, you know, play in shootouts. They want somebody who can, can carry the ball 25 times, which is a lot in the NFL. You don't see 25 carrybacks very often. So, I, I think that the mental and physical toughness would would help the Dolphins, but I love your fit as well. I mean, for either of these teams, what an adjustment um, is Dobbins going to have to make from the O-line he had at Ohio yeah. State to an O-line, it, whether he's with the Chargers or the Dolphins. And to your Dolphins point, then are you uh, making the assumption then that Flores just added um, uh, Jordan Howard as depth? I, yeah, I mean, I can see both of them working together. I wouldn't be shocked to see Dobbins use the receiver. He's a pretty quality receiver, you know, and you can, to me, Howard is a guy that you kind of, you know, you, you bring in for a year and let him kind of split the load and he, and he's a good solid workhorse guy, but you know, he's not going to be their long-term back. I think, you know, Jordan Howard kind of the last couple of years has filled into that role where I think I see him staying for a little bit here, which is, you know, if, if you're, your more talented back is injured. He can take the starting role and do a perfectly respectable job for you. If not, you know, then he then he works in this complimentary role. So, yeah, I mean, I would I love to see them get a little bit more of a, a scat back type? Yeah, like Swift or somebody. Sure, I could see it. But um, I, I could I could also see them going with a little bit more of a double up at the position. Makes sense. Um I told you I had problems comping uh, Dobbins to someone. I, I went with Ray Rice, ultimately. I don't love it. I, you know, the, the yeah, size I like doesn't it though, yeah. eh, it, It's fine. It's fine. I, I think the size isn't, you know, you're talking, sometimes you get the size right, sometimes you get the st- the playing style right. I don't love the size fit. Um, you, who did, well, let's talk about who you comped. Because I think that this is, I haven't found one that I've loved, and I don't love right. yours. But I, it makes sense. I don't love any of them is the problem. Well, I don't love yours anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, Devonte Freeman was the one that came to mind. I think you're right, though. It, it's not as if there's a perfect, you know, facsimile of him as a player. But you know, and Freeman is obviously a player who, you know, the last couple of years hasn't looked quite the same. It's easy to forget how much of a little ball of dynamite he was, and I was shocked that he lasted until the fourth round. You know, when he came out for the draft, I thought he was more like a second round pick. Um, ended up being a really good pro for for about a five six year period there, and you know, had that burst and that pinball ability where if you try to shoulder tackle him, he's just going to bounce off. You can catch the football. Not great in pass protection. That's what I see from Dobbins, too. He's, 
he's a work in progress there. You know, I mean, you, can mm-hmm. he catch the ball? Yes. Is he great at, at anticipating blitzes and picking up guys and using angles? No. So that's that's what I'll always think of with Devontae Freeman. He has the physical ability to do it. He just hasn't always excelled at that area. And so, yeah, that, that may have been a little bit more of a scout comp as opposed to a, you know, like a fantasy comp as far as his, his production and style and all that. Yeah, I think we're we're mingling mingling yeah. the cops. I, I think the point that you made though about the fact, and this is maybe why it's hard to find. I haven't seen any comps that I've loved. Like I haven't looked at anyone's been like, oh, that's it. Why didn't I think of that one? I will steal it. <laughs> yes. Um, um, is because he isn't a complete player yet. We don't know what he's going to look like, but look like behind an O line that doesn't make giant holes for him. Um, that isn't part of a part of a like an elite franchise. Um, so I've, I, it's going to be interesting to see how he develops, and then I think maybe his comp will become a little bit more clear. I do have a clear comp for the next player we're going to talk about, but let's save that for the end. Let's talk about DeAndre Swift, who you mentioned a little bit earlier and, you know, his potential landing spot. But this is a player who came out of Georgia. You know, he was buried beneath Chubb and uh, Sony Michelle. Uh, mm-hmm. My gosh. I mean, like Georgia's just churning out these quality backs year after year. So, of course, we have high expectations for Swift. Um what what's something about his you know tenure at Georgia that stood out for you before we talk about an actual trait? Yeah, I mean statistically it was good, right? I mean obviously a little bit yeah. underwhelming <laughs> for the factors that you that you just stated. I mean what I always have burned in my head are those spin moves he makes, you know. But mm. uh, it's not somebody that you're going to hand the ball. I never had a 200 carry season, right? He was he was more of a specialist than a big play specialist, but. I love the fact that he could run inside zone, outside zone. I love the fact that he could catch the ball very naturally. I mean, he just looked like a diverse guy. Diverse was the the word that I used. And I would have loved to see him, you know, do the full set of tests. He didn't do the three cone just to see what that quickness would have been like in a numerical uh, way. But, yeah, I mean, he, to me, looks like a great complimentary back. I don't think he'll ever be a bell cow, bell cow excuse mm. me, but – I do think he's gonna, you know, you know, gonna be a very good playmaker if you have that perfect complement to him, kind of like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, it, it is interesting because for some people, his 513 touches compared to Dobbins' 796 and Taylor's 968 is a plus yeah. because obviously then he has quote fresher legs and and more ability. But if he isn't being, but you know, it's interesting too that the other side of that is well, that's because he can't. He isn't um, a full workhorse back. So while he does have three down ability, he's never going to carry a full load. Maybe that's better for him in the long run in terms of longevity at the NFL level and and what he can be paid as the position is definitely in a, in a place of evolution right now. Yeah, um, yep. But let's talk about what, so did you say diverse was the was the one word that came to mind? Yeah, and I hope he's used that way too. I mean, I hope he's used in a way where he's not asked. I think he only had three 20 carry games in college. And to me, that was fine. I had no issue with that because I think there is a law of diminishing returns that kicks in with him where the more he gets the ball, the less effective he is, the less juice he has, and the more injuries. they had, And they piled up. He had that shoulder at the end of the year mm-hmm. that really bothered him. He had a groin injury, a toe injury. I think there was an ankle that bothered him for a while. So part of the fact of why he wasn't used – was because he was banged up, right? So, you know, again, there's this this scary factor about him where the health was never a major concern, but it clearly held him back. 
But if you keep him to that diverse role, he could be special. The word that stood out to me, well, well, he has excellent hands. It's his feet that were the most eye-popping to me. And when I say that, you know, you talk about running backs and their feet and footwork, there is nuance and tempo to the way that he runs that just feels natural. He knows uh, when to speed up. He knows when to slow down. I mean, yes, yeah. he has incredible vision and, and, and fantastic balance. Like all three of these guys have incredible balance, but... I love that he just has this, you know, I'm, I'm going to admit Bucky Brooks used this phrase back before I watched much of Swift, I think near the senior bowl, um, he had that pitter patter and I, and I mm. can't, I can't stop thinking that that was perfect. Just this little pitter patter about the way he runs. And, um, I, 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 I like a lot of what he does. I think he's a very in some ways, a very safe, explosive back, especially if you're not asking him to do the things that you're asking Taylor or Dobbins to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, something that came up, I remember watching, I think it was the Florida game, watching him make people miss and put moves on without slowing down, without gearing Mm -hmm. down, without, you you know, you mentioned the tempo changes too, where he could hesitate and do things like that. He's got that too. So, you know, if I could even expand my word diverse and say he's got even a diverse running style. He can run with power. He can run with quickness. He can run that. with edge speed, too. So it's really fun to see him adjust to what the defense is throwing at him, what the play call is. I mean, he's he's got special ability. There's no question about it. And he, and he, while he is not, again, like the short yardage guy that the other two may be, he does have enough power to also go up the middle. This isn't a guy who's always bouncing it outside, right? He does have right. the moxie and determination to go to squeeze through tackles. So I, I like that he's diverse to your user word again, um, in that, in that way as well. He's not just, you know, like a, like a LaShawn McCoy early, early year or early, um, career LaShawn McCoy career, bouncing yeah. everything outside all the time. <laughs> Um, yep. Who's your comp for him? My comp is D'Angelo Williams. Now I'm going again, showing my showing my age, right? Mm. But sort of a shorter, got some a little bit of thickness to him. That good shifty ability that you want to see. You know, had that one incredible year where I think he scored like 18 touchdowns, but also was one of those guys who, you know, would would be the the second leading rusher in the NFL through seven weeks of the season. And then a hamstring injury would come up, or you know. I think Swift is actually a tougher player than D'Angelo Williams was, but to D'Angelo's credit, you know, he had a role into his thirties with the Steelers there for a while. So he's got that ability where, you know, maybe he's always going to be an outstanding complimentary back, you know, and maybe only a true feature guy for a couple of years, but he's somebody that I thought of that, that this sort of came to mind. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, D'Angelo could run with toughness. Maybe Swift's just a little bit tougher. And I think your comp maybe plays to that just a little bit more. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Dalvin Cook. Um, yeah, I like that. I, I like, I wrote down in my notes, Bob and Weave and Speed. And that... <laughs> Um, are the three things that you see Cook do, but you also see Cook struggle with his pad level, which is something I think Swift needs to work on. We talk about his injuries. I mean, he's got to lower the shoulder a little bit more. Cook has struggled with durability issues, I think, in part because of his running style. While it is electric and it is exciting, it does invite injury. And so that makes me worried a bit. And I do think Swift, you know, he's a wonderful last name because he is Swift. He is, (laughs) but he is more, he is more quick than fast. 
Um, and and I and I think that when you look at all of those things, you've got a lot of Dalvin Cook. But I also don't know if Dalvin Cook. It'll be interesting to see what Minnesota does. Um, in this, you know, run first approach that they are very obvious and very loud about wanting to establish because, you know, Cook is not the guy who can do all of the things. And I don't think Swift is either. I'm just trying to think if Swift is one of the best running back last names, what would the worst be like clunker or something or like I mean, just... Snell is pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, I'm sorry, Benny. I hate to say it. I think you're you know. right. <laughs> right. I didn't mean to derail the whole conversation there. It just came no. to my mind, you know. All right. Well, let's go on to uh, a player who, you know, we talked about how J.K. Dobbins is going to have to adjust from running behind an awesome offensive line. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cam yes. Akers is going to be thrilled to run behind any offensive line that is not Florida State's. Um, this, I, I think Akers was probably the bright spot for the Seminoles whose O-line Easily. was trashed. The scheme was, a, woo, the scheme was a situation. There was a lot of not great stuff going on for Florida State over the past couple of years. Yeah, really since Jimbo, you know, even his last year, it looked kind of like it went <laughs> off the rails a little bit. I always get and a little bit nervous to like talk about college coaches because people yes. are so fervent that oh, good gotcha. for you, you do it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, look, even Jimbo's last year, he looked a little checked out and the staff looked like, you know, they've had bad quarterback play, bad off, really bad offensive mm. line play uh, in the scheme last year. I mean, Kendall Bryles was kind of thrown in there as a, you know, boy genius, boy wonder play caller. I, I don't know if he could have done better, but it certainly looked like, you know, the, anything was an upgrade over that. So I used helpless. That was the word that I used and it perfectly parlays into what you're talking about. I think some of his flaws as a runner, talking about Akers, are almost because he's seen ghosts and because uh -huh. he had to play with guards who get knocked back two yards off the line and, you know, tackles who are whiffing on blocks and, and centers who, you know, don't spy rushers well. It just, it made me think every time I saw him, oh, that was too much or he shouldn't have done that. It's like I almost don't blame him. So if he gets with a running back coach who can kind of work that out of him, coach that out of him a little bit, he could be special. I put him 45th on my overall board. I think a lot of – I had some people call me and be like, dude, really, 45th? Like I could see 70, 75. Mm -hmm. I like him a lot. So, I mean, obviously his his, his ability speaks for itself. Interesting. So I think you're um, alluding to – he can sometimes be a little bit extra – uh, at yeah. the top of his runs, right? Like there's just, it, he's not economical at all. But I also appreciate that that's not just because he, I mean, the amount of mental fortitude it must take to know that you are in the situation you are in <laughs> and you are like, this isn't changing. And you come from Mississippi, you've watched your mom beat breast cancer, right? There is a yeah. resilience about your your personal makeup and that translates to your work on the field and the fact that he does do that extra stuff I am willing to forgive for the reason because I love that he is efforting that he is trying that he is not just laying down and for me the word that popped out was acrobatic and yes you know he is a shifty player but I don't think that says enough like he is a threat to break off a long run at a moment's notice now I know we talked earlier about how like that doesn't really happen in the NFL this guy 
could be that guy that does that on the regular. And I think that's why you have him so highly ranked. I mean, he has spot size, speed. He's elusive in the open field. He can pick up yards after contact. He also is a great receiving weapon. He's got yep. some ball security concerns and some pass pro concerns, but most of these rookie running backs are going to have a pass pro technique that they need to work on. But sure. I looked at his just athleticism and acrobatic does sort of mean all of the extra he's doing on top of it too. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I, I'll let him have it. Oh uh, yeah. Given the circumstances he was under, you know, knowing that he can, you know, turn, you know, pull a rabbit out of a hat. I'm, I'm willing to live with it too. After all, who is the, the running back in NFL history who has the most negative yards ever? Barry Sanders, right? Mm -hmm. Is anybody saying, oh, Barry's too extra. He should never have done that. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like the greatest jump cutter of all time, the best magician to play the position. We love Barry because he can make those things happen. Cam Akers can make those things happen. Is he, you know, is he Barry Sanders? No, of course not. But to your point, uh, you know, I'm okay with that, right? And he makes people look foolish out there sometimes. The, the, the missed tackles, you know, the acceleration he shows leaves people in the dust. It's He's a fun back. I agree. All right. So we both like him. Give me a stat that you think really exemplifies his skill set. Yeah. To what we were just saying, 76 avoided tackles, courtesy of our friends at Pro Football Focus on 231 rush attempts. So basically every three runs, He's making at least one guy miss and sometimes two guys on the same run, too. So mm -hmm. I love the fact that, you know, there are great one cut and go runners out there. And I appreciate the heck out of them because they're they're north south. They get what's you know what I mean? They, they really do the job and everything. But there is something special about a guy who can who can do what he does. So um, and, you know, I just I, I love his style again. The um, the elusivity that he has, his shiftiness, I think is exemplified in the fact that 67% of his total rushing yards came after contact. So 768 of his uh, 1,144 yards came <laughs> after contact. That is wow. bananas to me. And I also think this is a player who benefited from the combine because you couldn't really see all that he could do on tape because yes. of the factors we've already mentioned. And then he went to Indianapolis and flipping crushed it like – like some of that horseradish cocktail sauce at St. Elmo's. Like he had fire in his feet. He ran the 40 yard dash in 4.47 seconds, which was top five, 20 reps during the best bench press. That was top nine. And he also lit up that new, uh, the Deuce Staley drill, which I think really showed oh, yes. off the skills that we're talking about his, his, uh, his dual threat ability as a, as a receiver and a rusher. Did you, when you watch that drill, right? And basically I, I'm trying to use my fingers to show people like you kind of go like at a figure eight motion, his mm -hmm. head didn't move, but his body just rotated. It looked like a genie or something floating. I was watching those little, like you said, the pitter patter, the feet moving. And I was, I've never, you know, I've only seen that drill, a, you know, a, a short period of time. It's not something that they've done regularly at the combine, but watching him do that, like put me in a trance. So yes, that was that was the first moment when I said, okay, he's got special feet. Absolutely. All right. So who are you comping him to, this special player that you adore so much? Yes, the special player. I'm comping him <laughs> to a very average running back, Marlon Mack. Uh, yeah. That's why I, no. I said it. <laughs> Good setup, Bear Liz. You got me uh, teed up and everything, man. No. I, I struggle with this one, too, because I thought to myself, you know, all those things we just described, you can't necessarily find all of those qualities in one player where – Sometimes he reads the wrong hole. 
a little bit of ball security issues. You know, what would he have done behind Wisconsin's or Ohio State's line or Georgia's line, whatever? So, you know, I, I tried to find a player that I think coming out, I felt had very few weaknesses other than his, his ball security, which is Mac. Now, is he a special player? No, but he does everything really well. So kind of a souped up version of Marlon Mack. Best I can do to salvage uh, that that mediocre comp. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine because I, I only set you up that way because I did a similar thing. I mean, yeah. I had, you know, we're, we're talking about this player excitedly. I mean, I think, I think people listening and watching can tell who we're most excited about by the effusiveness uh, by our level of effusiveness when discussing them. And like, for me to then be like, you know what? He reminds me of Lamar Miller is also <laughs> a little bit, hey. it's a little bit antithetical. Tip, tip your waitresses. Yeah. When you look at Cam, I mean, what is Cam Akers? He's 5'10", 217. Lamar Miller's 5'11", 218. They both have a nose for the end zone. They're back, yep. both excellent pass catchers that can be a safety valve for a struggling quarterback. And they both work behind bad O-lines. So I think that, you know, Lamar Miller, uh, when he was in Miami, wasn't being used the way everybody wanted him to be used. And then when he got to Houston, everybody was like, oh, maybe he is who we thought he was. But also B.O.B. is is the of confusing things. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Lamar Miller, you you make a great point. Doesn't he have like three 90-yard touchdowns in his career or something ridiculous or four yeah. or whatever it is? So, I mean, same idea where, I mean, like if you saw Akers have that stat five years from now, would you be stunned? No. So yeah, I I, I kind of like it. It's better than mine. All right. where? <laughs> well, thank you. I will take yeah. that. Where, where are we both sending him? To Kansas City, baby, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you, you got to go to the champs, and and they, I, I look, you know, people are saying, could they draft a running back in round one? I really don't think so. Andy Reid's never done it, but Andy Reid has struck gold in rounds two, three, you know, and, and beyond. So this is the this would be a great spot for him at the end of round two. It makes a ton of sense for me. If they can't get our next back teaser, uh, <laughs> then I think this would be a, a a superb alternative to that. So I just I. They want somebody who's got a little bit of juice, a little bit of power, uh, and kind of that all-around skill set. Yeah, it feels like a very logical fit. And for what it's worth, while neither Eric or I have compared Akers to Kareem Hunt, other scouts and uh, a draft Knicks have. So that would yeah. seem like a like a pretty reasonable skill set or one that Andy Reid both covets and would feel comfortable acquiring again. Yeah. Um, all right. Finally, the player that we are, I w- I'm going to go out on a limb and say we're both the most excited about, even if he's not our number one ranked running back, here is someone that we feel different. Like if we're playing that Sesame Street game, I have a toddler. I know. <clears throat> I have a toddler. I know you do too. Um, that Sesame Street game, which of these things is not like the other? Clyde <laughs> Edwards Hilaire is the thing yes. that is not like the others, but in an awesome f-ing way. Excuse me. I yeah. swore because I'm excited. Ragu, you'll have to bleep that anyway, <laughs> all right so edward clyde edwards hilaire out of lsu another running back i think who has changed hearts and minds with determination his freshman year was really just a special teamer kick returner yeah. second season got a little bit more run and then oh my god you have one game to watch if you're re-watching things in quarantine re-watch the lsu at alabama game because C E H goes O F F in it. <laughs> Incredible performance, and and uh, yeah, I, I want to mention that one later. I, I loved 
that was the game where I fell in love with him as a player because oh. I mean I had seen him before that. I have some friends at LSU. They were telling me all about him, and I thought, yeah, I've seen LSU backs before. And Geist was great, and you know Fournette and everything else. But absolutely fun is the most uh, the, the best word I could come up with. Mm. And he's it's not just because he's fun sized, right? He's five foot seven. He's sort of the squished down version of of these other guys or whatever, but. I mean, he makes people look ridiculous at times. And sometimes it's a slow spin move where he's almost sort of toying with the guy. Other times it's that little quick pivot. He can catch the ball exceptionally well, run it, run with power inside. I, I just, I, I can't help but love the guy. And I think he's going to be, a, a, he's my number 23 overall prospect. I'm Woo! maybe even higher than, yeah, and I have Swift, I think, one notch ahead of him. So, I mean, I, wow. I, I went big on him. I put a big grade on him. I mean, that is a big grade. I don't hate it, though. You, fun fact, this just tangent. Uh, you said fun-sized. Yeah. Uh, Martellus Bennett once told me I was fun-sized. So now I'm a little <laughs> bit stuck on that. <laughs> that. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I bet this is, this is a sketchy territory here. Uh, I, I don't know, but I know that our producers were very, very concerned when he said it. <laughs> So let's go back to uh, to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, I wrote down bounce. Honestly, like I would love to see nobody has really done. You've seen like he's his highlight reels are all over YouTube, but I would love to see somebody do a mashup of Edwards Hilaire um, highlights to that Iggy Azalea sound bounce and the flow rider song low, low, low. He is uh, the other thing I wrote down. I don't know if everyone's going to get this ref, but he reminds me of a goddamn popple like that, (laughs) that, that cartoon from the 80s. Oh, is that the one? Is that the the ones who crawl under the floor into the the, the little ha- holes in the house or something like that? Am I thinking of something? No, those different? are those are fraggles, maybe. Fraggle I think you're thinking of frag- maybe what I was thinking. <laughs> no, no, maybe popples okay. was only. But I mean, like I was, I remember I got like a used popple, but basically popples are those little bears that are in balls and then they like pop in and out of pockets. They're pails that pop in and out of pockets. That uh, right? Let's stick with the Iggy Azalea and the Flow Rider. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Regardless, Sorry. like popples are fun. We're talking about like anything that is hip pop music and um a little like i like he was almost sonic the hedgehog to me but he's not fast enough he doesn't have the long speed to be sonic so like maybe crash bandicoot like he is a video game (laughs) this dude is straight madden like that that is all of his technique is so exciting fun to watch but to me the like bounce to his game he is so low um his pad level his compactness he's so just like a bowling ball running through space and toying with defenders because he too has this incredible tempo and can weave in and I mean he might be small but there is so much a burst behind his pads he is not afraid there's like a little bit of a a terrier to him he's not afraid to bring it bring it to the um, linebackers and then he can weave in and out of traffic also work as a receiver i like a lot about his game yeah absolute bulldog no question about it i mean think about this he was named lsu's team mvp this year not joe burrow clyde edwards hilaire and when when burrow was asked who the best player he's ever played with and don't forget this is a guy who was on the 2017 buckeyes with you know joey bose or not joey bose but nick bose chase young 
you know, every other freak they've ever had the last couple of years, plus this LSU team that's going to get probably 14 or 15 guys drafted, he, without hesitation, said Clyde Edwards-Solaire. How are we not supposed to take that information? And, and, you know, they're friends, of course, but like you could see it in the way he was used this year. And he was an absolutely crucial cog for them to get to. Now, did they win the SEC title game without him pretty much? Yes. But every other step along the way, he made things happen for him. And I just I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, these are all fantastic observations, but I need numbers. I need facts, Eric. So, so give me a stat that backs up all of these opinions. 20 carries, 103 yards, three touchdowns, nine catches, 77 yards, one touchdown. That would be a total of four scores against your Alabama Crimson Tide. What I loved about that effort, too, was it wasn't one long run. His, I think his long run was like 14 or 18 yards, same with receiving. He didn't have a gain over 20 yards. It was just constant butter churning throughout. And they had to switch defenses. I actually just watched this game today, and, and I was writing up I Xavier McKinney there. I watched it this morning, too. Oh, were you really? How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've only watched it about 104 times just because <laughs> – there are like 50 NFL prospects in that game if you count next year and beyond, too. So, I mean, what what amazed me was that Alabama came in with one defensive scheme with McKinney deep, and, you know, they were sort of – they played it pretty straight. They completely switched their front, put McKinney up in the box, basically had him kind of spying Edwards Hilaire, and he still beat him. Like, whatever – this is Nick Saban, one of the great defensive geniuses of all yeah. time. Just didn't have a, a – a solution to stop this guy so he's he was that performance is what won me over yeah it's funny you said that because i remember the broadcaster this morning saying clyde edwards hilaire is putting on a show and nick saban doesn't like it it was a <laughs> beautiful line from the broadcast uh for me yep. i'm gonna throw out two stats one to evidence his amazingness as a rusher and the other as a receiver his broken tackle percentage of 34 percent is Un, in, in, is is unbelievable. I mean, like that's RB nine amongst running back broken tackle percentage of thirty four percent RB nine among all running backs in twenty nineteen. Wow. And then when you look in the passing game, his completion percentage eighty four point six two percent was better than teammate Justin Jefferson's, which was eighty two point eight percent. We talked last week about Justin Jefferson, who what was the most reliable? That was your word about him, most reliable pass catcher Correct. in this year's draft. And yet <laughs> Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the running back, had a higher completion percentage. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's so good at those angle routes. He's you know, he he doesn't just, you know, he's not just a screen receiver where he's catching a little you know, uh, easy sort of handoff uh, version of a pass. I mean, he's he's running routes that are pretty advanced. I think he could play receiver in the NFL. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's going to get to the point where his receiving ability is as strong as his rushing ability. And who do you uh, want to comp him to? We have the same comp. Well, we're, we're doing waybacks. Yeah, I mean, my, my two waybacks here are Maurice Jones-Drew. Obviously, the height comes to mind, but – you know, the toughness, the receiving ability. I mean, all that kind of – he just reminds me so much of him. And also Brian Westbrook, too, with just a little bit of a, a you know, a slipperiness to his game. And, and you know, this – and, you know, Brian Westbrook was a – Andy Reid loved him. So I'm sure if they, he could find a way to get him in Kansas City, it would make a ton of sense. But we both have a different team that we uh, 
think could make a lot of sense too. Yeah, I mean, the bowling ball quality that MJD has had um, to me is is what most comps to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Plus, they're all going to, the hyphens, everything, the hyphen it, the, the, the three <laughs> letters, it all makes sense Five for MJD. Seven, right, yes, yes. <laughs> everything matches here. And in terms of team fit, I mean, good luck, Andy Reid, because Bruce Arians has already claimed himself a receiving running back. That is a priority for the Bucks in the draft and in their new slash old uniforms. So yeah. I, I think that uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to look awesome in the new Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniforms. What do you think? Yep, I think so, too. Right in the middle of the second round. If, he, if he's there, I mean, could he go earlier? Sure. So, yes, I mean, Tom Brady would love to have that guy. yes. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, they're going to do their work on the outside. He has a couple tight ends, but I think he would fall in love with Edward Solaire. Imagine going from Joe Burrow to Tom Brady, you know, from Heisman slash national championship to, you know, one of the great quarterbacks of all time. That that's that's good living right there. I mean, imagine going from James White to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That's one way of looking I'll at it, too, right? Yeah. I'll take that too. <laughs> So we are giving you hopefully lots of ways to look at these different prospects. I'm having a great time, Eric. This is like one of my highlights of the quarantine. I hope you're having a good time too. I am as well. Absolutely. Let's keep it rolling. Okay. So we're going to be back for another rookie snapshot next week. We've got a grab bag of guys to talk about receivers really deep. There are a couple other running backs. We're going to do five prospects, mix it all up. And then Matt Harmon and I will be back with our regularly scheduled Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast later in the week. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. And that is at underscore I'm sorry. And that is at Eric underscore at home. We are out. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A world interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.